This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Neyland Stadium alongside Ben McKee. We are in the visiting coaches press box this week. We always, uh, after our post-game press conferences, we never know which booth is going to be open uh, for us to record this. But we are in the visitors press box tonight, Ben. And the visitors left Neyland Stadium a bit unhappy this evening. Uh, the coaches who were sitting right here moments ago uh, just watched South Carolina lose 41-20. to The Vols move on uh, a, a big win that Tennessee needed for many reasons was a win that came with a cost that that is a looks like a fairly steep cost uh, I would think we would all be stunned if Brew McCoy played another down of football this season after that horrific leg injury there in the first half but uh, that's part of football no one likes it it's part of it you move on Tennessee needed this win Ben and it got this win and Still has a lot of room for improvement in a lot of areas, but really took care of business tonight. Yeah, they absolutely did, and, and you just hit the nail on the head. It was it was a win that they had to have, and uh, credit to Tennessee. They, they showed up when it when it mattered most, in a sense, uh, and they responded. They, they, they were able to grind out a win and obviously did not play perfect football. They had some mistakes on, on both sides of, of the ball, uh, that were critical, but ultimately uh, they made far more good plays than they did bad plays. So a, a really nice night at the office uh, for Tennessee. Uh, Spencer Rattler said it was Tennessee Super Bowl. Uh, so kudos to Tennessee for, for showing up when it really matters most, according to Spencer Rattler, and, and pulling out a win. But uh, just so important for so many reasons. I, I do think it was important to – instill the confidence of simply beating South Carolina again into the system after how last year's game went in Columbia. Uh, good to kind of uh, rinse that taste out of their mouth. I, I thought that was important for the program, generally speaking. And, and then with this individual season, getting back on track in the East. If, if you lose tonight, you, you weren't going to crawl back and, and, and win the East. Technically, it would have been possible, but uh, I, I don't think anybody would have been predicting Tennessee to come back in and win the East if you lose tonight. And uh, now with, with Georgia looking very suspect down on the plains this afternoon, uh, and you, you still go to Missouri, Vanderbilt, uh, there, there are some tough, interesting games coming up on the flip side of, of Georgia looking suspect. A&M looked really good. 
Uh, Alabama looked good. Now, granted, I don't think Mississippi State is very good. Uh, Tennessee just beat up on the team that just beat up on Mississippi State. Um, but you, you had to win this game to, to stay in the fight there in the East, and, and they did so. Yeah, and with, with respect to, to Spencer Radler, who is a, a, a really, really, really good football player, uh, didn't have a great night tonight, but a really good football player. With respect to him, South Carolina is no one's Super Bowl. Uh, I think the Gamecocks are 600 and 600 all-time, thereabouts, one conference championship in the program's history. Not exactly a, uh, a Super Bowl for anyone. However, this was a game Tennessee wanted to win for many reasons, uh, and it was a game, uh, you know, last year we talked about last year, no one needs to, to be reminded what happened when Tennessee went to Columbia last season, played awful, lost the game, uh, got run out of the building there in the second half, and did not get to be in the college football playoff as a result of that. And then Hendon Hooker goes down to kind of add insult to injury. Uh, and it was a, a bad, bad night for Tennessee football. Um, you, you could almost argue historically bad in some respects because chances to play for national championships, uh, unless like Nick Saban's your coach, are, are pretty hard to come by. They don't come for everyone all the time. And Tennessee maybe had one there, and it, and it got away uh, from them. But uh, this was a game that Tennessee needed to win to stay in the fight this season also. Uh, ben alluded to this. You, you just alluded to this. Georgia went down to Auburn which had won its past four games uh, all time against number one ranked teams in Jordan-Hare Stadium. We talked about that on the podcast all week, that weird things can happen down there in big games. Um, you know, Alabama fans can still talk about the disaster and the past year and all those other things that have happened all, all over the years. Um, but, yeah, the, the point was the way Georgia looked in that game really took what looks like a topsy-turvy SEC and, and really put that into overdrive. Um, so that really opened an opportunity for whoever was going to go win this game to maybe go in there and make things even more interesting. Tennessee still has a million mountains to climb. We'll talk about that as the, prog- as the podcast progresses, I guess you could say. Um, but this was a game Tennessee needed to win, and I thought physically Tennessee at times overwhelmed South Carolina in this game. And that's something, again, with complete, and I mean this, respect to South Carolina as a football program – you would expect Tennessee to physically beat up a team like South Carolina, uh, if not like a knockout, at least consistently, consistently win the physical fight more often than not. And Tennessee did that. Tennessee absolutely owned the line of scrimmage, I thought, on both sides of this game. Uh, Spencer Radler finishes 24-35 for 169 through the air. When you look at what he did last week against Mississippi State, when you look at what he did last season against Tennessee, uh, he was a five-star for a reason. He can pop off on you. Uh, but but Tennessee went in there and really, really should got one interception, should have had three probably, um, you know, didn't go their way, but got the one, and it turned the game a little bit there late in the first half. Kamal Haddon with the pick six. And yes, Kamal Haddon with the pick six. Uh, a nice shout out to, to 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 Kamal Haddon, a guy who takes a lot of abuse and uh, gave some back in that moment. So big moment for him there. Um, but Tennessee, other than one 75-yard touchdown run for South Carolina, completely shut down South Carolina's running game, as a lot of us thought that they were probably going to do. Um, there were a few moments you'd like to have back, but physically, Tennessee absolutely won this game. And Ben, this was a game where Tennessee had a makeshift you know, we say makeshift. I think Tennessee finally got back to the offensive line that it maybe thought it would have going into the season. Uh, but still, not a lot of rotation up there tonight. Cooper Mays comes back for the first time all season. Got a little winded there late, but really, really helped things. You didn't see as many procedure issues. You didn't see some of that stuff. 
Um, and you had Ollie Lang sliding over to guard. You had Gerald Mincy sliding in there uh, at right tackle, getting back in the starting lineup. Uh, and I thought both lines of scrimmage, um, Tennessee pretty comprehensively won that game. Yeah, that, that's where it started and, and where it ended. And, and just going back to how important of a win this was, not only was it important to reassert yourself in the SEC East race, but also just for the simple fact of confirming that you're not a bad football team, I guess. I guess that's how we would word it up here in the press box. But uh, the team itself, they, they think that they're a really good football team. And, and really good football teams win the way that Tennessee won tonight. So uh, not only was it important to get back in the SEC East race, but it was important to instill confidence in yourselves as you embark upon a very tough stretch coming up after the open week. Um, but also for everybody watching, not that their opinions are, are uh, the, the most important thing ever, but to, to kind of prove that you are a good football team. And, and I think they, they did that tonight. Not that South Carolina is a juggernaut or anything, but uh, there, there was a lot of positive momentum on South Carolina's side based off of how they beat Mississippi State last week and based off of how they beat Tennessee last year. So uh, for, for Tennessee to, to prove itself that it was a good football team, I, I think that was just as important as reasserting yourself in the SEC East race. But like you said, it, it started up front on both lines of scrimmage, uh, just sticking with the defense, and, and then we can talk about the offense. They, they shut down the running game except for that 75-yard rush that Mario Anderson had early in the third quarter. Uh, we, we kind of expected that because South Carolina is not a good running football team, and they were 14th in the league coming into this game, and, and they were the only team in the league that was not averaging at least 100 yards per game. They were averaging 75 a game. And they, again, were the only team in the SEC that was not averaging triple digits. I don't think I've ever seen that before, but – I, I thought what was more important, because they didn't really try to run the ball, South Carolina. Mario Anderson only had 10 rushes. Spencer Rattler had a team-high 11 rushes, and then Xavier Leggett had a rush, uh, and then Juju McDowell and DeCarion Joyner, they both had five combined. So really only 15 traditional run plays and 35 pass attempts, which I think gives you insight into what South Carolina wanted to do and yes they were trailing for most of the game so the passing stats are going to be a little inflated in terms of passing plays ran but I, I think that's also indicative of, of them wanting to challenge Tennessee's secondary and I thought a first and foremost Tennessee's defensive front did an excellent job of helping out the secondary and, and flushing Spencer Rattler in and out of the pocket making life really tough on him hitting him I mean, they reset the line of scrimmage near, nearly all night long. It made life really, really tough on him. And then on the back end, I thought Tennessee's secondary did really, really well, uh, made a bunch of key open field tackles. And then most importantly, Xavier Leggett, their star receiver, has five catches for 50 yards. And you sign up for that all day long. Patrick Brown noted in our no huddle that we filmed right after the game that his biggest play was on the fake punt, Xavier Leggett. So – you avoided the splash play, and if you would have told me that he was going to have five catches for 50 yards coming into this game, I would have told you that the game goes exactly <laughs> like it did tonight um, because that, that was the one guy that you had to, to kind of slow down there, and they did a great job of doing so. And listening to Spencer Rattler talk post game and reading some of his quotes, he said that Tennessee just completely took him out of the game, uh, just constantly double-teaming him in so many different ways. The only time 
Xavier was kind of able to get loose was short, shallow crossing routes. That was really the only thing that Tennessee did not take away. So uh, a great defensive effort. Yes, they did a great job of stopping the run, but the story was not allowing Spencer Rattler to cook like he did against Mississippi State. And that was, A, because, again, the defensive front was just wrecking folks up front, resetting the line of scrimmage, and then on the back end, uh, the, the players executed the game plan, but Tim Banks, Willie Martinez had a great game plan of making sure that Xavier Leggett was not going to beat them. Yeah, and, and really, you know, Leggett had – I, I want to see this. i got the paper in front of me here. He had, as you said, uh, so it was 32 yards on that uh, fake punt play. And so aside from a fake punt play where Leggett got open, not because Tennessee wasn't ready for the fake, but because South Carolina ran a pick play and didn't get called for it, which, hey, I ain't hating. If you can get away with it, you take that all day long. And, and I think you could actually make an argument that if you're going to run a pick play, a special team's fake punt might be the best time to do it because an official's not locked in on that probably. You know, they might not be making that call. But that's how he got so open on that play. It wasn't that Tennessee wasn't ready for the fake. I've already seen a lot of this, how can you not be ready for Beamer ball stuff? I think they were ready. I think it got picked, and that's what happens as a result. So aside from that, throughout the entire game, he had four catches for 18 yards. That that's that's what he had, and this is a guy who had what like six hundred plus yards like in the first four games. I mean, he's been absolutely electric. I mean, he, he was a guy going into this game that I said multiple times. I know I said it on radio in this state. I said it on radio in South Carolina. Said it on our podcast. I wrote it. I don't. I didn't think I liked anyone for Tennessee's chances one on one to go cover that guy in space. I didn't like it. I didn't like the matchup. Now I would say that against with most secondaries against Leggett because he's really, he's really, really fast. And he finally started catching the ball later in his career, which allowed him to use that athleticism and make plays. But Tennessee, it starts up front because that's – I mean, Rattler had no time basically the entire night. And, and really, you want to hold a team to two for 14 on th- third down, it starts up front. That's absolutely where it starts. But there were also some plays where, you know, Rattler extended, got outside the pocket. There were a few plays where he had a pretty clean pocket, and he still didn't have a lot of options to go downfield with. It's not like, you know, Carolina had breadbasket catches that were dropped or throws that he missed. I mean, he made most of the throws that were there to be made. Uh, he rushed one that, that he shouldn't have thrown on a third and long, hadn't turns it into six points the other way. But, I mean, the secondary for Tennessee tonight – those guys, I think it started up front. I think those guys won the game. But Tennessee still had to cover on the back end, and it did that. And, and that allows you, you know, Ben, when, when you win the line of scrimmage comprehensively, when you keep guys in front of you, when you do basic things like that, you don't have to play a perfect game to go beat a South Carolina. That's what Tennessee – this was, I don't know, maybe you want to say an average football game for Tennessee, and that's okay. A lot of times, most it's not an average effort's not going to beat Georgia. It's not going to maybe go down to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. The way Kentucky's been playing, it might not be enough to go beat Kentucky at Kroger Field this season. But uh, it's enough to beat South Carolina at home, and Tennessee got that. And I, I think we'll talk about this more in the second segment, but this is a team that I think desperately needs this open date right now because this team is very, very banged up right now. We all saw McCoy talk about that later. But this is just a banged-up football team right now. You can see it. Guys have been kind of – this was kind of like one last push to get to this bye and then kind of get some things right because they were banged up. But they still out-physicaled the opponent. They did. And I I think tonight 
for me at least, th- this this was what I expected to see down in Gainesville in the swamp in, in that first half. And uh, I've, I've kind of been saying the last couple of weeks that in my opinion, I thought the second half of what Tennessee did against Florida defensively was more of what they are and not the first half. And you heard Rodney Garner say it this week, like we, we just did not show up in the first half against Florida for whatever reason. We were not ready to play. We did not have our edge. Um, maybe Tennessee was reading the press clippings a little too much and, and kind of saw that Florida's not that good of a team, and, and here we are coming off of this great season, whooped up on them last year. Maybe that's why they didn't come out with an edge. Uh, but w- whatever they did that night, they did not replicate tonight, which was something that was, I was intrigued to see tonight because obviously UTSA is is not Florida or an SEC opponent. So it, it was good for Tennessee's defensive front, which I think is going to have to carry a lot of the load this season. They they have to play well every single game to give them a chance because the, the offense isn't going to be practically perfect like it was a season ago, and, and we know what the secondary is. So the, the, the defensive front has to play well, uh, and, and that's what set the tone in the Florida game as well and, and why they kind of lost the way that they did. So for them to regain form and, and get going on that side of the ball, I, I think it was absolutely critical and, and a sign of, of great things to come. Uh, Texas A&M going to have to be one in the trenches. Alabama going to have to be one in the trenches. Kentucky absolutely going to have to be one in the trenches. Like the, these next several football games, not that the the line of scrimmage is always important because it is in every single game. It's a, a key to winning football, but it's it's heightened in some of these matchups upcoming. So I think it's a real positive sign that they were able to get back on track and. I mean, it's it's multiple guys playing really, really well up front. James Pierce Jr. continues to have just a tr- tremendous start to his season. Uh, his, his development is just on the ultimate fast track. Um, but then on the inside, the veterans, Amari Thomas, Omar Norman Lott, Tyler Barron, Bryson Eason. I mean, those guys are making plays all over the field. You saw Joshua Joseph's get going tonight. Roman Harrison just kind of steady Eddie out there. May not have the flash plays, but he's just he's just always uh, in the mix. And I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. Karat Garland had a sack tonight in a key situation, if I remember correctly. Uh, Elijah Simmons, he gets back on the field tonight and didn't really come back in towards the end of the game. I, I think maybe he, he re-aggravated it a little bit. Nothing serious, but just maybe not a need for him to go back in the game late. Uh, but he he kind of reset the line of scrimmage once or twice when he got in 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 the first half as Wes just whispered to me on off on a key fourth down stop. So uh, Dominic Bailey he continues to be sneaky good. There's just so many guys and, and that's just defensive linemen. I, I and I even think the youngsters at inside linebacker continue to progress. Uh, Jeremiah Tlander sticking his head in the fan on on several different plays. Uh, there's those back-to-back plays, third and short, fourth and short. Jeremiah Tlander was in the mix and a big reason why Tennessee stopped South Carolina and turned them over on downs. Uh, Elijah Herring, he's getting better about recognizing plays. Uh, I thought Arian Carter, I thought he was kind of flying around more and more tonight. Uh, so those younger linebackers uh, are progressing uh, as well. So uh, this team is going to have to lean on its defense, especially up front, more so this season than, than last season. And, and I thought that tonight was a good sign of them getting back on track and being more of what everybody expected rather than what I think will prove to be an outlier at Florida. Yeah, I think I, in some ways I feel for Bryson Eason because 
James Pierce Jr. is just running away with the most improved player award right now. But I don't. I think if you go back and watch film, one guy that I think even we're guilty of it sometimes. We don't talk enough about how effective Bryson Eason has been. Um, he, he's kind of like last year, Dominic Bailey, who kind of started to emerge a little bit, and you saw him make some plays. Eason's doing that on a greater level. Like he's getting in the mix a lot. He's making big plays. He's 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 creating some of those havoc plays in the pocket where the thing collapses and goes out there. And Amari Thomas. Everybody knows what he is and what he's about and, and how many problems he gives you there on the nose. So I, I think there's not enough words we could come up with to describe the level to which just the the, the improvement that we've seen from James Pierce Jr. I mean, you talk about, you know, some of the, your biggest improvements come between your first and your second year playing you know, college football, and this young man is a tremendous example of that. Uh, a kid who came back more mature, got humbled a little bit last year as a tatted freshman who made a couple plays but didn't play a lot, didn't do a lot. Uh, he came back physically, filled out his body. He has been more mature, as you would expect someone to do as they get older. And I, I, I tell you, his bank account in a couple of years is going to be nice because when you talk about like an early round edge draft selection – that's what you're looking at. 6'5", 242, and you imagine by the time he's done, he's probably here, he's probably going to be, what, 6'5", 250, 255, and just an absolute physical specimen coming off the edge. There were a couple plays where I'm not even sure the tackle touched him. That's how quickly he was around the edge. And I wondered why South Carolina waited until the second half to start chipping him more often because they, they had to. They, they brought some tight ends and backs over to kind of lean that way and shade that way because he was going to just – he was going to get Spencer Rattler out of this football game if they didn't do that. He was there a lot. And uh, I, I thought he – you just I, – I imagine we'll talk about him a lot throughout the the season, throughout next season as well. Um, this is a name that um, if you don't know, you need to learn in a hurry uh, because th this young man is very, very good. But there were other things that Tennessee did well in this football game. Also some things Tennessee maybe didn't do as well as you'd like in this football game. And we're going to talk about all that stuff, but we're going to get to a break here. We're not going to keep this episode too long tonight because um, – it's already, as we're recording this, almost 2 o'clock in the morning. So we're going to be a little quicker here, but uh, we do need to get a pot post-game podcast up. So we're doing that. We're going to step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, et cetera, and then be right back here on the Govals 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. 
Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker and Ben McKee coming to you from Neyland Stadium where Tennessee defeated, 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 we'll go with defeated South Carolina, 41-20, to knocked off the Gamecocks, more than doubled them up. Uh, and physically kind of beat them up a little bit in a big, big win for the Vols going forward. Not necessarily what I would call a Super Bowl win, but a big win for the Vols who needed it, got it, and now go into a bye week where they can get some things straightened out that, honestly, they need to get straightened out. So lots more to discuss about this game and moving forward. Before we do that, though, just a quick request from our end. Please take about a minute. Not even a minute. 45 seconds out of your day right now. Go and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. That helps us out quite a bit. We just finished the biggest month in the history of this podcast. Uh, and thank you to everyone for that. It's not about us. It's about y'all. And, and if you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com, nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. But really, really, really helps us out if you go in there on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast a pod. You can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast, and we do this for free. We're happy to do it, but since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask. Take just a little bit of time, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell people that you see around town. Tell people you see anywhere. Please keep doing that. If you're already doing that, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, we've already said there were some things that that we both liked and did not like about this game. One thing that I liked about this game for Tennessee was that the moments, not every single moment, but a vast majority of the moments when Tennessee absolutely needed something, it got it. When South Carolina takes that lead, you know, Tennessee takes the the ball first uh, drive of both halves, scores touchdowns both times. So good starts to both halves and a good start defensively there, um, you know, in the first quarter with that early stop and and moving on. And then, you know, you have the unfortunate pick where Milton doesn't see the safety. He reads it poorly. The pick gets made, short field. South Carolina takes the lead. And, you know, a minute later, Tennessee's in the end zone thanks to an incredible catch by Squirrel White. Swears he didn't see the full ball, but that Milton placed it perfectly enough where he found it anyway. Um, And once it touched his hands, he didn't drop it. A hell of a play. Tennessee goes in and scores uh, with a two-yard run by Jabari Small. Two snaps later, just like that, Tennessee's back in the game. And there were moments a little bit in the third quarter where I think Tennessee could have really put it out of reach early, but it didn't let South Carolina really creep back into the game, right? You don't want to see that 75-yard touchdown run right when you've gone up and you can really, really put the game away. But it happened. And after that, Tennessee when it needed to, came right back and scored. It never lost control of this football game. And in a big game like that, when you're facing an underdog in your own yard, you got to do that. And I thought that was nice. In a night where Tennessee wasn't perfect, it got what it needed when it needed it. Yeah, that was a big part of the football game, just responding to adversity. Uh, that, that was kind of the, the theme of this game overall, just looking back at last year's loss and, and how embarrassing that was. And to be able to respond a year later with a decisive win, I think that speaks to the adversity that this football program now is able to handle and overcome. But within the game individually, I mean, there were so many different things. You laid out a ton of different plays that happened. They also had to overcome the Brew McCoy emotions. I mean, Joe Milton said that he didn't want to go back out there on the field because he felt so heartbroken for Brew. Um, because he knows how much work he puts in and, and was just kind of at a loss for words. And uh, everybody in the stadium felt that way. Players 
felt really, really awful for Joe or for Brew, and, and I'm sure they shared the same sentiment as Joe and, and kind of not really wanting to pick up back playing football um, because of what had just happened it, on so many levels. You, you feel for Brew, and, and then it's also a gruesome injury that there's a, a realization that it, it could also happen to you on, on any given play. Uh, and then everybody in the stands and, and press boxes and, and whatnot, I mean – just, just kind of. Do we have to go back to playing football? Can can we take a an early halftime and just skip the the original halftime? So, overcoming those emotions, uh, and then the the different individual plays. You know, they they come out and score again on the opening possession that they have. That's now four or five games that Tennessee has opened uh, the game scoring on on their first possession, which is very impressive that that they've been able to do that uh, this season and. Jump out to a 7 nothing lead was a, a pretty easy drive. I think it was nine plays, 92 yards, just very, very impressive. And then South Carolina scores 10 unanswered to, to take a 10-7 uh, lead. And, and you're thinking, oh, okay, well, where's this game going? And, and then Tennessee responds with, with 17 unanswered to go into halftime with a 24-10 lead. And a lot of that was Kamal Haddon making that play, pressure in the face of Spencer Rattler to force a high throw. Uh, four had to take advantage of and, and then uh, sprint to the end zone. Uh, th- those were all really, really tough moments that they had to deal with in the first half, but they overcame that adversity uh, rather easily, quite frankly. And, and that that was one of the, the biggest differences in the game it is not just the plays on the field, but what was just as important was how they handled the many adversities that popped up throughout the game. There were some in the second half as well. You mentioned the long touchdown run, and and they responded to to that. I thought Joe did a great job of of responding to adversity. Uh, The two interceptions were were really bad, especially the first one uh, where he did not see the safety. He said that they kind of snuck in a coverage there at the last second, did a great job of disguising it. Uh, and he said that that happens in football, which he, he's not wrong. Um, but obviously, he'd like to have that one back. And I, I don't, I don't know if the interception to to when he was trying to throw the ball to Warren was egregious. I, I saw what he was trying to do. He, he just didn't make a great throw on it. You got to kind of lead Jacob Moore, uh, and he just did not. So outside of those two interceptions, though, I thought Joe played well. I, I know a lot of people will talk about the interceptions, obviously, and, and not that those shouldn't be talked talked about because they are turnovers at the end of the day but I thought Joe outside of those two turnovers played well and did a great job of responding to the interceptions as well coming back from them and and playing well after turning the football over yeah Joe Milton the third was the the best quarterback in this game tonight Um, and and if you had said that going into the game I would tell you that South Carolina has no chance to win it if uh, any formula for a South Carolina win had to include Spencer Rattler being the best quarterback on the field. And tonight, Joe Milton III was not perfect, um, but he was the best quarterback on the field. And um, that, that interception to Warren, I don't – I mean, I, I don't – there's no interceptions that you like. I don't really hate that one um, because, again, you're up two scores, and if you get a field goal there and you're in field goal range, you go up by three scores. And so that was a really disappointing part. Um, and, and also a guy of Milton's ability should be able to, you know, you know, just kind of get that one a little bit, a little more on that one. Uh, how often do we say that about Joe Milton? A little bit more on that one and uh, make sure that it's at least not intercepted because field awareness, situational awareness, you got to know that the only chance there um, or the best the best play 
is to make sure it's not intercepted because if it's an incomplete pass, you're kicking a field goal. You're fine, uh, and you're going up three scores. So I, I don't like that. But then again, there's some throws he made tonight uh, that were absolutely fantastic. He does that in most games. He'll have some throws that just really make you turn your head. I mean, there's no other place he throws that ball to White and it's caught. I mean, I don't know if the way White was going, he never saw the ball. So if he didn't see the ball at all and it hit him right between the one and the zero, it's hard to complain about that throw. Um, you know, and then he had a couple to Keaton that were really nice. Uh, really had a couple passes that were dropped. Uh, there was a screen pass to, to – uh, Castles, that should have been a big play, and he slipped on the turf and fell for zero yards. Chaz Nimrod drop it would have been maybe a 20-yard or whatever catch. He, he's very easily at 300 yards, maybe just if those two plays happen. So it, it's a fine margin. You know, you're, you're talking about if you told me, though, the bottom line, if you told me going into this game Joe Milton's a better quarterback, I'd tell you, well, this game's over. Tennessee's winning it. So that, that did happen, and that was important. But, Ben, I don't want to – I know for at least for the next podcast, maybe for the next two podcasts, I'm not sure yet, I, but I won't be here definitely for the Monday podcast. So I don't want to step on the toes of what y'all are going to talk about uh, when I'm not there. But but I think what I think about McCoy, I'll say this very quickly. Um, there is no version where the best possible version of Tennessee is better without Brew McCoy. Let's just say that. The best version, the best this team possibly could be, is a version that has Brew McCoy on it. So now the question becomes, can you overcome that? Can you have everybody maybe playing just a little bit better? Can you have guys making fewer mistakes? Because you can still be a very good football team without him, but you're not going to be the best possible version of this team without him. You're just not. So guys got to step up. Dante Thornton Jr., when he comes back from injury, uh, which hopefully happens for him and for the team pretty soon, got to step up. Maybe he goes out wide. You know, Caleb Webb. Show up and, and, and let's see what this young man can do. Chaz Nimrod, one drop tonight, then caught the next one. You know, should have had a big play last week if he runs a better route. There are things that, you know, those things need to happen now. Because Squirrel White played out of his mind tonight. Nine targets, nine catches, 104 yards, great play. Ramel Keaton, I think you know what you're getting at this point most of the time. Uh, those other guys got to step up, though, because that's that's injuries happen in football. But this is one of the five or six guys Tennessee – probably could least afford to lose yeah he's just too good of a football player <laughs> it's is that simple I mean you want Brew McCoy on, on the field because he's a playmaker and he's really good he's he's one of the better receivers in, in the SEC uh, he's physical uh, he, he blocks really well out on the perimeter uh, f for Tennessee's running game so it, it's a huge loss there, there's no sugarcoating it Tennessee wants Brew McCoy out on the field for for many 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 reasons but uh, they're they're going to have to figure something out. All of a sudden, this this receiver room looks real tricky, uh, and, and they're going to have to figure some things out. Guys are going to have to step up. Um, you mentioned it, Squirrel, Dante Thornton. They're, they're going to have to figure something out there because there's no doubt that right now those two, along with Ramel Keaton, are probably their three best receivers, and you can only have one slot guy on the field each play. So – uh, one of those guys is, is going to have to figure something out. Maybe Tennessee doesn't want to fool with moving them around. I don't know. But it, it seems like you would want both of those guys on the field at the same time uh, with your, your, your receiver room now lacking depth. 
uh, at least proven depth. So uh, the, Dante Thornton's got to get going. I mean, he, he's going to be a key for Tennessee as as they really get into the thick of it here in October and into the second half of the season. They, they need Dante Thornton desperately. They already needed him to step up and, and start making more plays, but now they really need him to step up and, and start making more plays. Uh, honestly, Ramel Keaton, I think, needs to step up as well. I, I'm, I'm surprised his production hasn't been a little more to this point. Uh, just kind of been MIA at times since that drop pass against Virginia and Nashville. They need more out of him. Uh, they, they absolutely do, and they're, they're going to need one of these youngsters, whether it's Caleb Webb or, or Chaz Nimrod. Uh, Josh Heupel mentioned after the game Nathan Laycock, the, the freshman who has not played yet. Um, one of those three has to step up and, and contribute along with Keaton, Squirrel, and Dante. They, they just have to. So that's a big loss, but I, I do think the big – the big thing and a positive thing is is that Tennessee can lean on this running game that is very, very good right now. And, and I, I have not mentioned it. I don't think you have mentioned the running game either. And we should not be mentioning the running game here towards the end of the podcast. I mean, they, they were really, really good again tonight. We talked about the offensive line earlier and credit to the offensive line. Uh, Josh Heupel said after the game that the double teams were thick, thick double teams and, and climbing to the next level. I, I loved how he described that, and, and, and I noticed that during the game. Uh, the left side of the line of scrimmage, the right side of the line of scrimmage, I mean, they were bullying South Carolina in the trenches with double teams uh, and then climbing up to the backers, and, and then the running backs were doing a great job of, of making DBs miss in space once they got to the second and third level. Uh, so just a, a really great night running the football for Tennessee. Uh, Jalen Wright continues to look like an NFL running back, averaged 7.7 yards per carry, 123 yards, a touchdown, his first of the season on 16 carries. Uh, Jabari Small, 11 carries for 59 yards, 5.4 yards per attempt. And then Dylan Sampson also had 5.4 yards per attempt uh, with 49 yards on nine attempts. All three of them scored touchdowns. And, and I think that has to kind of be the winning formula uh, going forward. Lean on the running game. Still make plays in the passing game, obviously. It's, it's just going to be a different-looking offense uh, than, than it was a season ago or even going back to Josh Heupel's first season where you relied on the big splash plays out on the perimeter with the receivers. I think the big splash plays are, are going to come from the running game uh, because you have three really, really talented backs. Lean on them while your while you're rush defense and, and defensive front on the other side of the ball get going, and, and hopefully for Tennessee State, continues to play like they did tonight. Yeah, and we've asked before a couple times about would, would Tennessee ever think about putting D. Williams on offense occasionally. I'm saying it because I know people are going to ask because they always ask. I've already been asked five or six times tonight just by the time we're recording this podcast. Tennessee has always steadfastly said no, that he is not – even though he's not playing on defense ever, they, they don't want to – throw that to him into the mix there on offense so you don't really know exactly what the plan is is going to be there um, but I'll tell you this there's just one other thing Brew McCoy when it's third five third six third and seven that's where you want to go with the ball and now somebody's got to step up into that role we saw Jacob Warren makes a couple plays tonight uh, in those situations you know I still believe McCallan Castles is a guy who can get going I think he can help this football team more than he has been we'll see but I think he can so that's big but yeah the running backs are, are very very good um, and you, you can't be doesn't matter if you're a good running back if you have nowhere to run so uh, the offensive line's doing their job too uh, but but I think those backs are very, very good. Even Jabari Small, a guy who Tennessee 
fans because he's not Dylan Sampson, kind of like, hey, what, what, why is he getting some of these carries? There's moments like in this game tonight, there were a couple moments where Tennessee needed to just – it was third and two, third and three – you got to move forward. You don't want to fumble the ball. You want somebody who falls forward, somebody who's going to get the yards that are there to get. Even if you may not go 50, he's going to get the yards that are there to be had and move the chains. That's what I think Jabari Small can do. There are things – there's a very much a role for him on this team still, and he showed that again tonight in this game. Um, but things have to change. Uh, they they got to play better than this. If they want to be the kind of team that they believe they can be, they're going to have to play better. And I'll tell you, sometimes you get into a big injury and guys who weren't consistent step up and they're more consistent. We've seen this before with guys like Ramel Keaton. When they're called upon, they step up and make plays. Maybe we'll see things go to another level now. We know whoever plays slot in this offense is going to have numbers. That's just kind of always how it is. But there are obviously things that Tennessee needs to do better and it's going to have to keep running the ball because that that's you have to be balanced, but the running backs are what – can make this happen and they are very very good and I think I'll close with this Ben I, I think tonight I think you made a really good point earlier um, you know because you most most of your points usually are very very horrendous um, just kidding but but one that I really really liked was that you know Tennessee it did what it needed to do and it proved to itself and maybe a lot of other people that there's still you can't can't dismiss this team this team is still there this team is still in the fight, uh, and it can play better. Like, if Tennessee played as well as they could play tonight and did this, I'd be like, well, okay. But the fact that you win this game by 21 points and you could have played significantly better in some areas, I still think it's a positive. If we're still saying this in November, it's going to be frustrating. But there are things about this team that if it just kind of keeps improving, if it can stay in the fight, I think it's got a chance to be a pretty good team. Maybe not the team that we thought it could be, but still a good team. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, they've they've even gotten better the last two weeks. Florida was embarrassing for a lot of reasons, and, and they came back and, and cleaned up a, a good chunk of those things against UTSA. And, yes, it, it is UTSA. But, hey, the, those things that they cleaned up against the Roadrunners, they translated to tonight against an SEC opponent. And I, I don't think South Carolina is, is very good. Uh, they, they do have quite a bit of young talent, and, and they're recruiting well, so maybe they're uh, a year or two away from, from really having a solid year. We'll, we'll see how that ends up playing out. But uh, it, it is a, a step up from UTSA, point blank period. And the things that you saw improve against UTSA – uh, translated to SEC competition. And, and obviously you have to keep building. Uh, you can't stay constant. You've got to continue to improve, especially if they want to end up where they want to end up, like you mentioned, Wes. Uh, and, and this next opponent, Texas A&M, not a juggernaut. Uh, it, it has its flaws, certainly. Um, but it, it's it's a game where, again, you're going to have to take a step forward. Uh, if if you want to beat A&M and, and then the week after that, it's time for the third Saturday in October. And we know what that game is going to be. So you're seeing these little stepping stones. And so far, Tennessee is two for two. It needs to, to get healthier on this bye week. It needs to have a productive open week, bye week, whatever you want to call it, uh, and carry that into A&M. And then that Alabama game, yes, the, the opponent will be tough like it always is, but then there's also some things that the program itself has to get corrected on the road, like we were talking about coming out of the Florida loss, uh, communication, pre-snap penalties, things of that nature. 
that that will kind of be the next step at that point, proving that you've corrected those mistakes. But so far, so good. I I think they've gotten better the last two weeks, uh, and and I think there should be a lot of confidence and and faith in Josh Heupel and and his football team, his coaching staff. He's shown the last two years, his first two years here, that his teams get better throughout the course of the season. And right now they are on that trend of getting better throughout the course of the season. And we've also seen that with Tennessee's offense as well, going back to year one. Last year with with Hendon Hooker, kind of had the the slot fest in in Pittsburgh. Uh, Florida was – you had some big-time plays, but you also had some frustrating plays. And then they go to LSU in early October, late September, and it just clicks. Uh, So that that is one thing to remember, that this Tennessee offense has kind of been slow out of the gates these first two years, and the team has gotten better throughout the course of the season, uh, which should lead Tennessee to a pretty good place. Yeah, I think so. I think we're we're gonna have to to wait and see just what the best version of this team is. But I do not believe we've seen it yet, and I don't think that is the worst thing. So Tennessee did what it needed to do tonight. Uh, a program that is trying to chase down the Georgias of the world and and those types. Well, you you can't let other people come and pass you when you're trying to do that. And keeping South Carolina a notch below you. Uh, especially after last season, uh, a big, big, big step for Tennessee. So we'll see. It's going to be an open date for Tennessee coming up at a great time because A&M may not be a great team, but is a very talented, very, very physical team uh, with the most physically formidable defensive line maybe in college football. Uh, So so I think there's a lot of – things that need to get cleaned up, and we'll see if they do. Um, but it's an open date for Tennessee. That's not an open date for most of Goval's 24-7. Uh, I, I will be gone for a few days. Um, just in, in all candor, I was uh, – Ben, I was supposed to be in uh, Granada next week, which is a very beautiful country, and it was going to be the first vacation that uh, my wife and I took since, 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 our, since our son was born. But, uh, you know, he's out of those surgeries. And after the recent one in a long hospital stay, we decided let's not leave to go to a foreign country right now. So it won't be going quite as far, um, but we'll be taking a few days because uh, I promised the lady I'd do that. So, um, But y'all are going to have a podcast out Monday. Uh, we'll have a podcast Thursday, too. Uh, there's a lot of hoop stuff going on next week. Fall baseball's going on. Uh, ben is working like a dog over here uh, with a lot of stuff going on. And we're going to have tons and tons of coverage next week for Tennessee. A big week for the Vols as they're trying to get some things cleaned up, uh, get some new guys in new roles. And uh, we will see if that happens. So I guess, Ben, unless you got anything else, I think we're in a good spot. We are. Appreciate you, my friend. There's that button. And now I can say... Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that 
at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG.